How you doing, Will? This is Sixto Suazo. And this is Ade Onude. And this is the Radically Infused Podcast, where we intellectually discuss radically infused topics. Let's go. Ade Olude and my co-host here. Sixth of Swazo. <laughs> it was a great, great weekend, you know, uh, especially here in Atlanta. You know, everything was just, uh, you know, the weather was very cooperative and, um, you know, uh, we were able to, how do I say this, you know, because uh, I don't want to keep repeating myself. The weather was a great weather. You know, and, and on the weekend, what I usually do, I challenge myself to run a marathon. And it takes me around that six and a half to seven hours. I truly go out there, take my time, and just relax myself. And I had the opportunity to do a lot of debating in my head. You know, I just love it. You know, it's just like a um, quiet time for me, you know, where I just you know, just go out and just jog for many miles, you know, and lately I've actually been doing it um, live on the social media and uh, it, it is amazing because I've done it for years, but to be able to actually do it every weekend. So literally this challenge this year was, uh, I'm just going to run a marathon every weekend. So I've actually done that every weekend and being the fact that with all this situation going on you know i uh, i also watch six train you know he gets up every morning and running then we have days where you know he goes into um a private location and just use the use the bag so it's a combination of everything and every evening he's out there doing his push-ups and I I started to realize that wow this isolation if you are not the type that has a schedule or that is very logical the way they think or it let me put it if you do not know how to control your mind you are biscuit up in this situation because if you're the type of person that somebody has to be on your back all the time to work out and do this you are absolutely in trouble. So another thing that I've also noticed is during this time, some of the fighters that I know are actually, you know, I wouldn't say they gaining a lot of weight because they don't know what to do. But this situation, I, I don't really mind because my days are already full anyway. Get up in the morning, meditate, you know, do yoga for like a half an hour, uh, one hour then meditate for half an hour, then go for a jog, then read, then write. I like writing to myself every morning because I truly believe my whole body is that God, that temple. So whatever, when anytime I'm stretching my body, any part of my body, like the energy that comes along into my head, I write to it. So I, once I do that, I get up and go and come back. So my days are pretty busy. So like this is just an extra vacation that made me realize that, wow, I gotta find, I figure other ways out. And with six being a boxer, what advice would you give to fighters right now, six? You know, especially in this situation because there's no gym, nothing is open, and a lot of people are getting frustrated. And we cannot say 
we do not see. What advice would you give them right now? I would say um, keep the same routine. Um, act like act like you're still in the gym. Act like you're still going to work. Act like there's no COVID nineteen. Like there's no Corona coronavirus, whatever it's called. Act like it don't even exist. You know what I'm saying keep your same schedule. Get up at the same time every morning. If you run every morning, go ahead and do that. If you run that night, go ahead and run that night. You know what I'm saying? The only thing is you're not, you're not in the gym. So change it up. Go outside. You know what I'm saying? Um, do pull-ups and push-ups on the monkey bars or something. Like me, I personally got like a little gym set that I set up in my house. You know what I'm saying? So I got like a pull-up bar. I do my push-ups. I do my sit-ups. Um, I wish I had some, some weights and maybe some um, kettlebells. Um, a bench, you know what I'm saying, and, and a bag or something, but I don't, you know what I'm saying, I, I work with what I have, and I, and, and I make it work, you know what I'm saying, so, <clears throat> I would just say, keep your same routine, that simple. Oh, wow, keep, keep the same routine, well, you know, for me, um, that routine has always been there, no matter the situation, you know, people always ask, when do you have time to meditate? When do you have time to run? I, when I was married, I had a nine to five job, corporate work, corporate job. I did the same thing, you know, with two kids. I get up early. Then when I went through hard times, when I, you know, was divorced, when I was homeless, it doesn't matter where I am, I get up and do the same thing. And the question that people kept asking that is, uh, what, how do you find time but I have to work and the answers to that whether one wants to realize it the only reason why people do not take time to stretch their body meditate and write it down and do all those things is because they're healthy when you're healthy your brain is just not thinking straight you know because you at that moment you don't want to be the important person but what I've learned through the hard time also is when you've ever been in a situation where your body is paralyzed and all you have to is look up in the ceiling and look into that ceiling because at that moment you start thinking about a lot of things oh i'm going to start praying i'm going to start this you know because at that moment your body is paralyzed you you are not useful for nobody and that's the time that most people usually remember that okay i gotta do something for me because Depends on your affirmation in your head, how you feel while you're laying sick in that bed, that's the, the better your recovery is going to be. So when people talk about, I don't have time, I don't have this, you don't have time to do those things because you are healthy. You know? So what do you think about that, Six? Isn't that true that people just don't want to do the affirmation, read? Because like, for example, when people are locked up in jail, man... Jail is an amazing place because people usually come out reading the books. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> they come out reading books and after reading for like a couple of weeks, you know, because uh, I know a friend of uh, ours, I'll call it. When he first came out of jail, oh my biscuit. It was an amazing time too, you know, reading every day, praying and talking. And I think it lasted for about a week and a half. And I think we've all been there too, because uh, I remember when I first started, wanted to um, change the way I think. And anytime I get into trouble, I will get on my knees and pray like a mother. You know, that I'm not going to do this anymore. 
and for like five days man i'll become this holy man that it's almost like i will irritate all the people because i'll be extra praying every little thing and at the back of my mind subconsciously is amazing because i always go back to do the same foolishness again and i think what that does what i come to realize as i begin to change that those things take practice you know changing your lifestyle the way you think it truly truly does take practice it's not something that you do overnight you know you cannot pretend that you're changing your lifestyle you and especially especially in the black community you have to get therapy you know i'm not saying prayer will not work you have to get therapy i remember when i was living there in the shelter uh, the gateway shelter downtown i see how relapse what is done to people you know and one of the things that I saw in the shelter and in the homeless community is majority of the people there claim to be religious and majority of the people that is helping also claim to be religious but the thing is majority of the people who are also helping they are suffering from some form of addiction and a lot of time those addiction is food you know it's a comfort zone so when those people are the ones walking in the shelter trying to help homeless men they do not know how to help or what even to do like for example i i talk about my lifestyle uh, i think my lifestyle my uh, my life my story is the journey you know because I don't just talk about the good times, yeah, I used to do this, but I talk about the present moment, you know, the going through homelessness, you know, how I met six, because to me, I'm looking at it like this is part of my story. When I'm saying it, I talk about it with passion. There's no hard feelings to it. And I think when I was at that shelter, those things, um, people cannot handle. I was too positive to be at the shelter, but the truth is, I was really wealthy. I was like Bob Marley. <laughs> Money. <laughs> Money. <laughs> My life was richness. And that's why I can, as a matter of fact, yeah, now that I get into it, that's why when I look at the relationship that Six and I has built, I literally met Six when I was homeless. I was living at the back of a yoga studio. And what I love about friendship is Six never judged me. We. You know, it was really funny that for a long time, even up to now, people don't know why me and Six hanged out. You know, I think, uh, and the way I'm looking at it, that when you are wealthy, when you are truly, truly wealthy, you do not judge people's people by their condition. You know, because I always say this, my whole philosophy at the shelter is, if you're not Oprah or you know, some of these Tyler Perry, Beyonce, I, I don't even want to hear what you're saying because, you know, at the end of the day, you are just two paychecks away from my situation. And I've realized that the most people that I've ever been judged by, it never failed me. They are living a daily to daily life, nine to five, or just struggling. And for me, the way I think, I truly, 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 because when you go into that kind of situation, 
because I literally thought by 40s I would be established and that's not the way you know and that wasn't the way life works you know I did not know and come to find out what I true I have never ever done anything that I was truly passionate about until I started running ultras and when I did that I was just like everything that I was being taught to do I did it because society told me to you know I have never had anything that I was passionate about so the only thing that I ever did that I was very passionate about is one of those things that doesn't generate money so six talk about your passion for boxing you know and how does that have a big impact on your life um yeah passion that's that's a that's a strong word i don't i don't i don't know i mean i i guess i know what passion is based on what people say it is and the technical definition but i feel like if i wasn't doing this i wouldn't i i wouldn't know what what else i'd be doing with my life like this is the only reason my life is structured and on a lineal path towards somewhere is because of boxing. If I didn't have boxing, if I didn't have this discipline, if I didn't have this something to strive for, this motivation, I'll be right back in the streets, right back into drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, just drifting through life pretty much. Because once you, I mean, because when you're smoking and you're drinking, you're pretty much drifting. You're not really striving for anything. You're not. Uh, you don't have any goals really you don't know what you, you have no direction in life so you just drift you just do the next best thing you, you do what it, what's convenient at the time and um, at the time you know I just wanted to black out I didn't want to I didn't want to think about anything I didn't want to um, you know be I just want I just didn't want to be in reality you know what I'm saying um uh, yeah, that was just my life. I'm a stoner. I'm a stoner. <laughs> I hate being sober. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, that that's that's the song that I thrived on. That's the song that I live. That's the way I live my life. I just hated being sober because life had no meaning. So boxing gave my life meaning. You know. So if you want to call it a passion, whatever, so be it. You know what I mean? Do I do I feel like getting up every morning? Do I get up excited like, yay, another five mile run? No, I don't. You know what I'm saying? Do I? Am I excited about getting there and, and uh, getting in the ring with somebody who's twice as fast, twice as quick, and I gotta sit in there and figure out a a chess a chess puzzle, figure out a, 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 a what are, what are Rubik's cubes? You know what I'm saying? When somebody's hard to figure out, I got to sit there and figure out a, a Rubik's Cube in the ring while I'm still trying to breathe and punch and move and and move my head and all this other stuff. No. You know what I mean? I'm not always excited about that stuff. But if it wasn't for this, psh, I don't know where I'd be. So, hey, if you want to call it a passion, so be it. But that's what it is. Wow. I like that. I like that. You know, uh, the, another thing that people that I get, you know, when um, with this whole download things with people you know i i think when we've been taught from little that to be successful you gotta have to be married get a nice job and do this especially especially for men sometimes that thing can be tough and most men do not know how to 
share their emotions. I remember, you know, when I first went through a divorce and my son's mom, man, woman. Man, you know that woman dubbed me to a usher song. You know, like sign the paper, you know. <laughs> Ready to sign, sign the paper. paper. <laughs> Paper. Paper. <laughs> you know, you know, and what's so funny is when she's packing her things and she will even do the ah, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> she's trying to hide no yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like that. So I couldn't listen to that song for a long time. And I'm seeing it. <laughs> I could not listen to that song. Like, damn. That was the music that I was dumped to. And boy, oh boy. You know, meditation made me see things as funny. Boy, oh boy, that thing was funny. So I actually remembered, you know, that because she left me because I couldn't find a job. So I decided to find a job. You know, I finally got one. I moved to Florida. And one of my female friends tell me, man, don't go and do that job. Don't do that job. Do not try to look for work just because of her. Things, you know, you're a good person, you do blah, blah. I, I refused, so I packed my bag and went to Florida. Man, I got fired five days after. <laughs> and sometimes you got to take advice. You know, because uh, women know women, because she's telling me, that woman is not leaving you because of your job. I got fired five days later. So I had to deal with the emotion, and I remember every night, I used to watch this movie by TDJ, it's called Not Easily Broken, and I would buy some grapes, and there's a part that I really like. So when that part comes, I will stretch my body, stretch, buy some grapes, and just cry to that movie. You know, eat some grapes. <laughs> I was crying every night. <laughs> you know, you gotta do it. And, be, and my ego was so high too. I was house and it was only me. I can't believe after I was losing my mind, I go underneath the bed, I make sure I lock the door that nobody sees me. <laughs> then I cry, the next morning I get up, meditate, do yoga, and go and run 20 miles. So one day, finally, the thing hit me, and he tell me, so what are you crying for? And I did not have no answer. And right there, the answer that came into my head, I was so ashamed of myself, because you know what? I wasn't missing that girl. I was just honey. And that's the power of sex. I was just horny. And the thought about the thought of going to look for another woman to start having sexual pleasure with, it's just I'm thinking, man, what am I gonna do? Because that and that's just how my brain's thinking. That means I have to act her out, I have to ask her name, I have to and the fact that I wasn't doing that, I was just I was just I just couldn't believe it. You know, it, it it, uh, it took me out of my element. So once I realized that, and it helped me more with my meditation, my reading, I was so honest with myself. I tell myself the truth. I stopped hiding my emotion because to actually say a woman dumped you and you were eating grapes and crying, guys don't talk about that, you know? So it's just, Six, have you ever experienced being done by a woman? <laughs> oh, have I? Yeah, I think we all have. You know what I'm saying? Mine was, yeah, man. Mine was horrible. I ain't, man. I don't, yeah, I got over it now. I was about to say, I don't think I ever got over it, but that's a lie. I'm over it now. But, um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you ain't never feel pain like a woman dumping, bro. I'm telling you that. Shit, I done getting punched in the face. I done got kicked in the stomach, kicked in the balls, all that. You know what I'm saying? And nothing hurts as much. Nothing hurts as deep as when a woman, when a woman's fed up. Yes. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. It ain't nothing you could do about it. Man. Yeah, man, R. Kelly hit some notes with that. Yo, that he hit some, he hit some nerves with that song. All right, man, when that joint came on, man, I was just like, yeah, I had to pull over on the side of the road. I almost crashed. You know what I'm saying? I was just all up in the song, like, but yeah, it's real, man. You ain't never feel no pain until a woman left you, a woman that you love. You know, that joint is real. It hurts to it hurts to the soul. I'm talking about to the bones. You feel it? I remember I was um, at my cousin. Matter of fact, I was homeless. <laughs> So I just met this cousin and I and I talked into letting me stay with her. She kicked me out like two days, like a week later. But um, I came in from work one morning. You know what I'm saying? Working security all night, the the, the gray uh, the graveyard shift. I came in that morning. I don't know what the heck was going on. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking the shorty just left me. Got on my knees. I start crying. <laughs> Snot all in my nose and crying no crazy. I can't take it no more. Man, I'm looking back now like, yeah, you tripping. I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah, I don't remember what I did. I think I got up. I probably went to find some weed or something, but yeah. No, I think I had to go back. I had to go to school. Yeah, after I cried, just took a shower. You know what I'm saying? Wipe my tears. <clears throat> if I had makeup, I'd put makeup on. But yeah, and I just went to school. It is what it is. But yeah, uh, if you if you if you ever got your heart broken, you know what I'm talking about. Yep, yep. So I think that's all the things that yeah. Thank you. Those are the things that we don't we don't really like to talk about. You know, like for example, also at the shelter that I realized is, um. Most of the women that work there, and I'm, this is not being discriminative or anything, is there's a lot of, how do I say this, beautiful, beautiful heavy sisters that work at the shelter. And I was going out for a run one morning, and I stopped and talked to one of them. And as we begin to talk, you know, the topic changed, and I asked her, and the topic came on that she said a lot of times the reason why she likes talking to us the way she did is because it makes her feel better about herself. You know, because it makes her feel superior. Because a lot of them, some of them are even in an abusive relationship. And I think it's systematically set up that when they come to the shelter, they, they are in charge of everything. And... A lot of them, because of the abusive relationship that they're in, they can be very cruel, you know. And another thing that I've also noticed here is our culture here, we will help somebody who's on drugs and drink before we help somebody that's sober. Because a lot of the guys that I stayed in the shelter with, they relapse many times. You know, and it's not because of a, it's not intentional, 
but because they do not get the proper tools and those proper tools are a lot of counseling you know is meditation you know exercising you know to just say oh I give my life to this no offense it's just absolutely not working right now you know and I say that a lot you know because I always say to people when you want to talk to a homeless person or someone that's gone through because I don't see myself homeless I just think it's just life when you want to talk to someone who's gone through that talk to somebody who went through that situation without taking any chemicals because I have to deal with my reality it was the most you know all my families just stopped talking to me period you know so I had to deal with that reality every day and I had to start coming to my own senses that you know you are worthy of more you know and I started thinking that way so and I leave people to their own thinking and as a matter of fact more, then another thing even helped me was my vegan diet and I'm just looking at it that those people that talk to you anyhow that make you feel bad about your situation did they eat like you and my answer was no so and I kid you not the fact that they're eating me and I don't eat the way they eat I stopped getting offense to it because the way I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it to be like, okay, we don't eat the same, so we think differently. And that's how I find my way out of all this situation. And I started to not let my, because money is what I'm chasing in the first place. That's why I get on a plane and come over here. Money? Yeah, chasing money. Because we were told from when we were little that, yeah, you got to go to England, uh, you speak a certain language. Uh, don't learn about your culture so and that's what's been taught to a lot of, a lot of African descendants you know and it's almost like your family will even disown you when you come over here and you don't meet that requirement I mean my family was more harder on me than my American friends yeah. they absolutely it's not even that serious because that's the way I look at it it's not even that serious you know and once you know you're truly truly well that your wealth is within you, those things will never ever get to you. So see, what does the word wealth mean to you? Wealth, <clears throat> wealth technically, well, sure, wealth is everything. Wealth is your money, your health, um, your peace of mind, all that. But technically what wealth means to me is the amount of time I can live at the same comfort level, the same way I'm living right now, without having to work a job. So, however long amount of time that is, that's how wealthy I am. And then, of course, you still got to be spiritually sound. I got to be mentally um, mentally healthy. I got to be physically healthy. That's eating right. That's still doing my spiritual practices, my, um, my morning routines, all that good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, so wealth, wealth wealth, encapsulates a lot. And that's just some of the things that wealth, wealth means to me. <clears throat> but yeah, like I said, in all, uh, it all comes down to freedom. Wealth buys freedom. Freedom to do the things that really nourish my soul. So until I'm free to devote all my time to that, I ain't as wealthy as I want to be. You know what I mean? Hmm. Interesting. Another story that came into my head, I don't want to mention anyone's name and I'm not going to do that, is 
about a couple of years ago after I got hit by a car so I had to start running very easy and that time six literally had to feed me for goodness on how long you know and uh, those kind of things you don't hear about you know how another brother help another brother in need you know we don't hear about it uh, we we always like to hear black people don't do this black people don't help one another and i think it is not true i don't believe that and the reason why most people do not help is not because they've been burned it's because they are just selfish they only treat people the way they like to be treated because common sense will tell you and also all that scary tactics you know you also attract what you think so during that time, you know, I was still running as usual. So I began to run very slowly. Then I finally got up to 26, you know, and at that time I decided, okay, I'm going to run 26 miles every day. And I'm going to read the Bible for the last time. So I did, you know, I read it back to back. And I took away what I needed and just left the rest. And I have my own opinion to myself, you know, because to actually get up every day and go jog for like seven hours, eight hours, and read the Bible, it is different from any preaching mechanism, you know, because a lot of us, we just listen to the preacher. But to actually get up every morning and truly have that faith because it was a dangerous moment too because I'm like, man, what about if this guy tells me to leave? But I didn't care, I got up every morning, I do my 26 miles, you know, read the Bible every day, you know, because I was reading it back to back and I just let go. So that day I was actually out running and uh, one of the <laughs> superstars I'm not gonna say who we was celebrating. You know, was also running in the park with me too. And of course, you know, he was on the social media talking about the excess of running. So he was actually preparing to run 26 miles, which I run every day with a bad back. So as we begin to, you know, communicate, so one of his entourage came up to me that, yeah, they did six miles, he's doing 10. So I said, okay, wonderful. So I told him, when I told this guy how much miles I'm doing that day, what he did next, I was shocked. Because for somebody that is making $7 million a year, you have, and that's what I'm saying about money, but he's making $7 million a year. And the only thing that he could do when I told him, oh yeah, I'm running 26 miles, every day just to heal my body the only thing that it can do was to look at his phone and not look at me in the eye you know so i stood down there for like two minutes and i just shook my head and i just walked away and i think but when i turned on the social media that night of course he started talking about running and everybody started asking him questions this thing and i think that's the bamboozle of our culture you know, because they, people were interested in his running because he is who he was, who he is. So to see that, and it's really funny because I see what richness means. I started to realize that people only listen to you 
when you claim to have this thing called money and a lot of time just because you have money doesn't mean you're wealthy because if you're not mentally stable mentally rich your money ain't biscuit because all you're gonna keep on doing is doing the same thing that broke people do as a matter of fact you might even end up going downtown and get your weed at the same place as a broke man because I always look at this every rich person right that takes all these drugs they probably go to the same client that somebody from the hood goes to so it's the same habit and that's why I'm talking about mental health you know because mental health mental health is not praying mental health begins with meditation a lot of reading reading a lot of mindfulness books and learning how to write to self and writing down a journal so six before we end this thing what do you have to say about that about uh, mental health and uh, psychology of healing the mind and changing the way we think <coughs> um yeah you you can't do it alone don't think <laughs> nah i'm not going yeah i was going i was going to mention somebody else something told some something somebody else told me oh, you but... <laughs> can use an example you know because you know we in our, in our black, especially in the black culture they need to hear you use an example okay for example i knew somebody was like oh yeah my significant other is my therapist yeah that's not going to work i mean Growing up, you know what I'm saying, we might have experienced trauma, we might have experienced things that, you know what I'm saying, might have not resonated well with us and, and really messed us up psychologically. So sometimes you need a professional, you know what I'm saying? When you, when you, uh, when your tooth is bad, who you go see? A professional, right? A dentist to go get that, to get, get that tooth handled. If you get shot, you're not going to go to your your cousin Mook Mook house to cut, to sew you up, you know what I'm saying? You're going you're gonna to go to the hospital where professionals can uh, properly deal with the gunshot wound. Same thing with your mind. You need a professional sometimes, someone you can talk to, like a psychologist, a psychiatrist, um, someone who will be able to, to listen to you and siphon through the, bull, the bullshit, you know what I'm saying, and what's real, and really get down to the root of what's causing your issues or help you deal with it or cope with it you know me personally i want to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist i don't even know what's the difference but uh so yeah i think one can prescribe medicine the other one can't i went to the one that don't prescribe medicine <clears throat> yeah y'all can look it up and figure out you know figure out which one i i can't think of it off the top of my head right now but yeah you know i i went psychologist i went to go see a psychologist and you know i would i would see her regularly and, um, you know, we would just sit there and talk and, and I'll tell her my problems and she would give, you know, she would just listen, give her a two cents every now and then. And that made a huge difference in my life. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just that, you know, I've, I've, I've joined support groups, you know what I mean? I've, I've read countless books. Um, you, um, yeah, I mean, I just didn't, I just didn't bottle up and deal with it on my own. I didn't just isolate myself like I used to do in the past and that which which caught which led to self-destruction you know that's that's a lot of reason why 
I got into so so much of the trouble that I got into in college, you know, with the drinking, with the drugs, with the police, with the women, the whole nine. I was just self-destructing and everybody in my way was a victim and I wasn't taking no and I wasn't taking no hostages. Um, and I was le leaving no prisoners. I mean, everybody can get it. Everybody was getting it, you know, so you have to deal with that because it can be destructive and it can cause a lot of harm to the people around you and the people you love, friends, uh, colleagues, whatever the case may be. Um, so, yeah, I really feel like, you know, just like you go see a professional for everything else, I think your mental health is that important that you go see a professional about that too. There's a real stigma, especially in the black community, that you can't go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or whatever the case may be. Um, that if you go see one, something wrong with you, blase, blase, honestly, something is going to be wrong with you if you don't go see one. So <laughs> I suggest you, you know what I mean? Just even if you got to keep it to yourself, it is what it is. Like, you know what I mean, I have no problem sharing that because I'm comfortable with who I am and I'm, and I'm proud of the person I'm becoming. So, yeah, that's my two cents. Take it how you want it. Well, you know, there's a lot more to talk about on this thing, you know, today. Um, not today, which we're going to leave for next time. You know, and the one thing that I've noticed, that I've noticed that, you know, is it needs to be talked about most. When it comes to mental health, then education is just not going to help. They just say, because your brain is so powerful. You know, and it starts from eating. And I truly, truly, truly wish our religious leaders, you know, especially in the black community, will implement eating healthy into their services. Because when you are not eating healthy, what you put in your mouth is what is the reflection of what comes out in your mind and your brain. And I just think sometimes we don't eat healthy enough. You know, and we don't, it's like we don't realize that a lot of the emotions that we go through comes from food. You know, like, like drinking. All those emotions are just there. You know, we cannot deny it. There's a saying that everyone else talk about that, oh, yeah, you're African, you all do voodoo. And I always tell people, if you're a crack cocaine and voodoo, I don't know what it is. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> you know, because it's so funny that we're so quick to judge any tradition that we don't know but yeah i see people get in their car they drink and smash a car kill somebody every single you know almost you hear about it and i see what drugs has done to people but not once did those things get bashed the way people will bash the african tradition you know there's a saying that oh yeah you do animal sacrifice if you eating meat you need animal <laughs> sacrifice because they have to cut those cheese. You know, because people act as if those goats came up and knock on their door and be like, "Hey, yeah, hey, dude, you wanna put my wing? Uh, you wanna put my wing in your uh, in your uh, in your pot? Yeah." Or the chicken came and knock on the door. They said, "No, no, no, no. Just take my wing, put it in your pot." No, those animals have to be brutal. So do they do sacrifice? So when I hear you all do animal sacrifice, I'm like, "Dude, this is a sacrifice, the cheeseburger." You know, so those are the things that we, most people don't even, we don't want to talk about. And for the life of me, I'm always looking like, man, what is going on? What is all these things? You know, you bash these things, but yeah, you do the same thing that you're bashing. And so, 
I'm gonna leave that for another time, you know, because uh, I want people to be able to listen. And we're coming up to that last couple of minutes. So, see, do you have anything to say? Nah, man. You know, so till next time, check out the podcast. Uh, did I say it right with my accent? Yeah, podcast. But <laughs> check out the podcast, you know. We're in training right now. But I kid you know, once we're done, you're going to hear about us. One love. Yeah, the world going to know our name. So like I said, leave a comment, uh, rate the podcast, share with your friends. Uh, you know what to do the whole nine. Um, we love you all. Uh, we'll see you next time.